Hi, I'm Sergio. And I'm Alex. And this is the IPHO Podcast. Each episode, we'll be hosting professionals with diverse backgrounds from across the industry. We have two goals, to bring you timely, relevant insights from across the healthcare landscape and information that can help support your professional growth. What non-traditional career opportunities exist for pharmacists, and how can I stand out from other candidates? How is COVID impacting the way we develop medications and support patients? What social inequalities exist within the biopharmaceutical industry, and what are companies doing about it? So whether you're a pharmacy student interested in learning more about fellowships or in pursuing a direct career in industry, a current or former fellow trying to figure out your next step, or just interested in a distraction from your workout, we've got you covered. And remember, the views and opinions we and our guests express on this show are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers. This episode is brought to you by the USC program and the respective industry sponsors, AbbVie, Gilead, Kite, Mankind, and Neurocrine. These unique fellowships will promote the role of PharmDs within the biopharmaceutical industry. Fellows will gain extensive hands-on experience through various practical activities within the company that will support their career development. If you're interested in finding out more about these fellowships, please check out the link in the description below. All right, everyone, welcome to the IPHO podcast. It's the mid-year season. People are preparing, students, fellows, preceptors across the industry. We're all preparing for mid-year. So what we're going to be doing over the coming episodes, as we talked about a bit last time, is having fellows, preceptors, uh, program directors on to talk about their experience, their path, and help to give you a flavor for what it means to approach mid-year from a different lens each time. And we're excited today to have Veronica Nguyen on. She's the current U.S. Medical Affairs Fellow at UNC GSK, and we're excited to hear a little bit about your journey to fellowship, Veronica. So thank you for joining. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And again, my name is Veronica. I'm a second year U.S. Medical Affairs Fellow at the UNC GSK program. So I'm currently based in RTP, North Carolina, but I'm originally from Queens, New York, and a graduate of St. John's University. And once I started the fellowship, I was looking for ways to connect with other fellows across the country. So I joined the IPHO National Fellows Council, and I now lead their social media and marketing team. So thrilled to be here with you both and share some stories for our listener, listeners. So what my journey was like as a pharmacy student. Um, so I have an older brother, and I remember growing up, he was an absolute science whiz and genius. And I always joked in my family that he got the intelligence and smart genes, but I'm the funnier sibling, so that's what I got going for me. But he was really the motivating factor for me to pursue pursue a career in science and eventually healthcare. So now he's actually finishing a MD PhD degree while I went into the pharmacy route. And as a student, I really enjoyed uh, the community and hospital aspect. So I love to the patient facing aspect of pharmacy. But I still had a passion for science and research because I was inspired by my brother and looking for ways to develop that passion. So during my second year of pharmacy school, I ended up doing bench science research, and I loved every second of it. I'm very big on the scientific method, asking a question and making observations from previous research and forming and testing a hypothesis. So that was really the moment where the thought of industry entered my head that there was a career path for pharmacists that wasn't patient-facing and that would build upon my passion for science and research. 
And I didn't really know how to go about it, to be honest. And I wish I spent more energy applying for internships, but it really wasn't until my P4 year that reality hit at that I'd be out of school in a few months. And that's where I really seriously considered fellowship training. So how did you approach that? I mean, you said it wasn't really until your P4 year. Like, what, what did you do once you realized, like, I want a fellowship and I need to get ready, like, quickly? How did you approach that? Yeah, so this happened right before my Appy rotation started. I'm going to tell a story and some people listening, especially students, might roll their eyes because like, they've heard it for the umpteenth time. But it was such a pivotal moment in my life because right before rotation started, I went on a scuba diving trip to South America. And I remember the trip was going so terribly because I missed my connecting flight and lost the day of my vacation. Then the airline sent my luggage to another city. So I ended up having to share a scuba boat on another with another family. And the woman on that boat found that I was a pharmacy student and insisted that I reach out to her sister, who is also a pharmacist. And I remember thinking, that's not weird at all that I reach out to a complete stranger and say that I met you in South America. <laughs> so when I got home from the trip, I found her on LinkedIn and she happened to be a field medical director for Pfizer. And she was so happy to talk to me about her role and career path. And that was really the conversation where she opened my eyes <laughs> to the benefits of fellowship training and how I got introduced to you, Alex, and other um, folks in industry. And I think that was really, again, the pivotal moment where I saw the power of networking and how having positive influences and mentors can really change your life in a meaningful way. So I think that was really the start of where I started networking with others and preparing myself for a fellowship and fighting for my industry rotations and getting myself started. What would you have done differently leading up and, and perhaps even focusing on fellowship? Is there something you may have done differently during that application process that you'd like to share that could be a learning for others? Yeah, so um, during this time of the year, uh, a lot of students ask me this question as they're beginning the application process. My answer has always been, I have no regrets and wouldn't have changed anything I did. And I say that because I think it's human nature to nitpick ourselves and hindsight is always twenty twenty, And we always could always dwell on what we could have done differently. But I always emphasize to students that the only reason you have any regrets about the process is if you came unprepared or not giving it your all. And I think there's a lot of circumstances in life that are out of our control and whatever part of your future that you can decide. I think you'll never have any regrets if you approach it giving everything you've got and leaving no stone unturned. And I think my main, main advice is to really Go into situations that's going to be uncomfortable, where you feel like you have to stretch yourself, where you feel uneasy, right? And I think my, my main other tip is to always be guided by your morals and values. And when I look back throughout the whole process, I always ask, like, was I honest with myself? Was I respectful to others and transparent? And did I stay true to myself? And I think as long as I stuck to my values, I wouldn't change a thing. And I encourage others to reflect inwardly and use that to guide their fellowship journey as well. That's a difficult concept too, I have to say, because we all, as we interview, we all want to be what the interviewer is looking for, because that's our pathway to the job we want. So we think, but you make a really good point that you are who you are. And if you're true to yourself, you'll end up where you're going to be. And it's, it's a hard concept to accept. And I'll admit 
I have trouble accepting that, but it's a really good lesson and it's a good mantra. So thanks. Thanks for sharing that. And honestly, I did feel that as well as a student when I was interviewing, I felt like I had to fit a mold or follow a formula that if I said X, Y, Z, that, you know, so-and-so company would like me or I would do well in the interview. But I think, again, it's, it is hard to accept. And I think it was a constant reminder every day that whatever interview question I'm answering, I'm answering it authentically and what I would do genuinely in the situation and not what I think the company or the person sitting across from me would want to do. And now, of course, like you've seen it from both perspectives. I mean, you've been through the process as a candidate, but you're also, you're a second year fellow. So you were interviewing candidates last year, presumably. So I'm just curious what you think from your perspective, having interviewed now people, what are some of the the common uh, slip ups that people make in their first round interviews or their second round interviews? Yeah, I would say that over time, as I'm observing the caliber of candidates and students have gotten really, really good. So I think my main problem now is when I interview or speak to folks is to really narrow down who to pick because like you have so many applicants and it's just hard to make a decision. And then the more people you involved, everyone has their own favorites. So that makes it even more difficult. I would say common slip ups is usually um, asking questions or um, showing that they were unprepared or didn't do their research beforehand. I think what impressed me the most um, as an interviewer on the other side is when students ask me questions that's really specific to what I'm doing. So it always makes me think like, oh, how did you know I was doing that? They looked me up beforehand. They knew what role I was in or what therapeutic area I was in and asked really insightful questions. So I would say um, that's something that can really help a person stand out during an interview. And I think a common slip up is always at the end, like during the question part where you ask the interviewer. And I think students, um, if they're great listeners and kind of listen to the interviewer and pick apart um, what the interviewer has said about their role or their background and use that to guide the conversation, that's always um, a great interviewing tip for me. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I've had some really great interviews over the past couple of years where candidates have come in and asked really insightful questions at the end. And it's like really thought provoking. And I I actually enjoy an interview like that as an interviewer. So I think there's a top tip for folks, you know, come prepared with really good questions. And, um, you know, the other piece of advice, too, was, you know, do your research on the company. You know, I think that's a pretty you know basic tip. Um, One of the things that you alluded to when you were talking, though, was that, the struggle that you had as an interviewer evaluating fellowship candidates was that it's hard to separate them. And that when you're meeting with a team, an internal team, who's making a choice about a fellow, different people on that team can have different favorites. They have different rankings, you know, ranking candidates from one to five. You know, I think the important takeaway there is that candidates are very, very good. And it's small little differences, you know, that, that can make the difference. And just because you aren't offered a fellowship position at a particular company, um, it may just be about fit. Like, do you fit with the preceptor? Do you fit with that team? Like, is there a good, like, you know, vibe or connection there? It has almost, you know, not as much to do with your functional or technical ability or like what your GPA was and, and stuff like that. It's more subtle, you know, in my experience. And I wonder if, if you've experienced that too, when you've been interviewing. No, and that's a great point you made, because when it comes down to really the final candidates, sometimes I find that I had to use intuition or my gut 
to really pick who it is because, you know, we have the tangibles, right, which is their experiences, what they said during interviews, um, then their fit, then sometimes all of them would fit or I feel like all of them would excel in my team. And then that last part is, okay, now I have to use my intuition and see, like, what does my gut say? And I feel like following that is really the last part when you already, like, equated all the tangibles together and did the best you could. That actually connects right back to your first response that you be, be authentic. You are who you are. And it works out the way it works out. And it's not always what we want it to be. But um, it, it, when you start to think through the process itself, it's a challenging process. This episode is brought to you by the Philadelphia College of Pharmacy at the University of the Sciences. This program is proud to partner with multiple companies, including Biohaven, CSL Bearing, GenMab, Insight, Johnson & Johnson, Janssen Pharmaceuticals, and Kiowa Kieran. During this fellowship, fellows will have multiple opportunities to enhance their experiential training through professional development programming, participation in the teaching certificate program, and options to pursue certificates or a master's degree through the university. Check out the link in the description for more information. Can we talk about your experience at uh, at UNC and GSK so far? Can you can you describe a little bit about what the structure is like with that program? Have you been able to teach, do research? Um, what's going on from a fellowship perspective? Give us a little bit of flavor there. Yeah, I'm happy to. So my program is structured where I spend one full year at UNC during cl- doing clinical research then one year at GSK and U.S. Medical. And it's been a wonderful experience. And if I were to go back and redo this again, I totally would. I'd say my favorite part during UNC was the patient-facing aspect of it because I did enjoy that during pharmacy school, but this time I was following patients as research subjects on our trials. And it really was a great wake-up call that these drugs affect real people in real life. And it was a reminder of what, why we do what we do in pharma. And ultimately, we want our patients to live longer and healthier lives. So I think that year really solidified why I'm in industry and why I'm here. And then now that I'm a few months into my GSK year, um, it's been a fun program because our fellowship isn't focused in one area. So I'm doing both field and in-house projects concurrently, which is really exciting. And because of that, I I get to have multiple preceptors throughout the year. And I love working with different people to see their leadership styles and learn how to work with different managers in an efficient way. And I I will also say that the culture is amazing and everyone I've had the pleasure of working with really lives and breathes it. And if I were to pick one thing that stood out to me or my favorite thing about my fellowship so far is getting to lead our inclusion and diversity platform at GSK. And I think this particular experience stands out in my head because I never saw myself in this space because it's a difficult topic to talk about. It can be polarizing and divisive. So I always shied away from it um, as a student and even the first year of my fellowship. And um, I think I'm really proud of our messaging and the vision we created behind this project. And in this um, series, we host a bunch of events throughout the year and we use it as a way to bring people together to learn about one another and support each other in in and outside the workplace. So I saw that it was a way for us to create positive change and that it wasn't going to be a subject that had to be you know, difficult or polarizing. And is that something you worked on, you said, at GSK? Yeah. And yeah. did you, were you partnered up with UNC on that? Was that an initiative you worked with UNC on? 
So it was an initiative that was strictly at GSK, but my UNC preceptors did um, notice that and wanted to bring it over to UNC as well. So um, yeah, it was definitely one of my favorite experiences. It's a great initiative to have gotten an opportunity to work on as a fellow. I don't know that like candidates and you know people earlier in their fellowship really think about those types of projects and things that they could work on. I think most people jump to working on a product or a therapeutic area or a particular study. Um, and I, I really like that you highlighted that you can get a really good experience working on other department-wide or company-wide initiatives because I, um, you know, I agree with you. I, I had some great experiences through fellowship and early in my career working on things like that. Well, well, fellowship isn't just about growing professionally, in my opinion. It's about growing personally. And when I'll speak to myself, when I was in school, um, I was in oftentimes in the four walls of school, only seeing what I saw and then rotations. And you're, you're, you only know what you see a lot of times unless you start to expand um, and, and expose yourself to other, other opportunities and, and seeing through others' eyes. But with a corporation or a corporate initiative in this case, you're brought in and you're able to experience something that you otherwise may not experience. And, and I just love that this is something that is occurring across this industry. It's, it's a change for the better. So now you said you're working with the NFC and you're focused on social media. Can you tell us what that's been like? You know, what kind of projects are you working on? And um, would you advise that somebody who's starting their fellowship get involved with uh, with the NFC? It can seem like a lot of work in addition to fellowship, but what's your advice to uh, to other fellows? Yeah, so um, I mentioned earlier that I initially joined the NFC as really a networking opportunity. Um, of course, I loved my fellowship cohort in North Carolina, but I really wanted to use it as a, a platform to meet other fellows across the country. So that was the initial reason I joined um, the platform. And then I ended up on social media and marketing. And it's funny because I'm not great at social media at all. Um, for someone my age, I should be, but I do not get likes or engagement on my personal profiles, but I am focused on getting engagement on our um, IPHO page. So that's what I'm focused on. And I would I would recommend any student um, interested in fellowships or if they're an incoming fellow to join the NFC. And it is sometimes considered extra work on top of what you're doing on your fellowship. And I know a lot of people might see it that way, but I would say that everything that I've done in the NFC has been so rewarding. And it's great to work with a really talented group of people as well. And I'm biased, but my social media team is really, really creative. And as someone who's very scientific and analytical, I never saw myself as creative or artsy. So being able to be in a team with people that can think in that manner and learn from them has been the most rewarding experience of being in the NFC. And although I lead the team, I kind of see it as like servant leadership. Um, I always try to see... um, how I can support my members or how I can really make them be their best selves and be involved in projects that they want to be in with the bandwidth that they have. And I think that's the most valuable, valuable part of the NFC so far. It sounds like actual, you know, real leadership experience there, which is the kind of thing that tends to shine on a CV as, uh, as you probably can imagine. And we're approaching the time of year, of course, where, second year fellows are going to be considering applying for jobs. You know, the end of fellowship is right around the corner for a lot of folks. And so uh, have you started working on your CV and, and how are you approaching your uh, your job search process? 
Yeah, so um, right now I am a procrastinator at heart, so I'm going to start panicking in January. I actually did open my CV last week, so I'm happy you asked that question. It was from December 2019, which is when I last edited it. <laughs> um, and so far, I've been trying to track my um, projects and experiences and not wait until when I have to apply because um, trying to recall what you did a few months ago is very difficult. And as a tip for students uh, while they're on rotations is after every rotation, I always try to write down two or three bullets of projects or anything impactful that I did during the rotation, because I found that if you wait all the way till fellowship and then write, try to recall what you did in your past five rotations, it can be very difficult. So as that's the advice I'm giving the students, I'm trying to give that to myself. And I started last week <laughs> recording what I was doing the past three months. So I would, I want to say I started last week, but I think um, considering jobs, I'm looking to start applying next year and try to really learn and write out the fellowship and not be in a rush to complete it yet. Yeah. And I just want to touch on one thing. We use the abbreviation NFC over and over. National Fellows Council, for anyone who's wondering, it's the IPHO National Fellows Council. Um, and and just wanted to clarify that if anyone was sitting there wondering. Um, but I don't know if I shared it on the podcast. I I procrastinated on my I, I found myself procrastinating on my uh, CV during fellowship. But what I did is I maintained a Word document titled Stuff I've Done. <laughs> very, very sophisticated. Um, but what it did, it, and what I did is I reflected. I blocked a, an hour every other, or 30 minutes every other Friday on Friday morning. And I would start my Friday morning and I would go back through my calendar and look at the meetings that I had and reflect almost, and it turned into, I've never been a journaler or anything like that, but um, I probably could benefit from it, but that's what it turned into. And it helped me facilitate all of the information going into my CV. So it wasn't as complicated. It's what you do is you forget. You, you sit down and you go, well, I've done so much, but what have I really done? And then you forget. So it's really good advice that you gave there. Just keeping track of what you're doing and reflecting on it, because it's not just what you did, because it, when you're interviewing, it's not what you did. It's what you learned from it as well. Uh, so that true reflection. Um, but with that, we are approaching the end of our time here. Uh, and I, I really enjoyed having you on here, Veronica. It's It's been a great conversation. Thank you for joining. Best of luck to you during your recruiting process. Uh, and and don't hesitate to, to reach out as you go. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you, Alex and Sergio, for having me and for this opportunity. I hope our listeners will gain some really useful insights. Thanks for coming on the show. This episode is brought to you by the Division of Pharmacotherapy and Experimental Therapeutics in the Eshelman School of Pharmacy at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, which has been offering numerous industry-sponsored fellowships for over 40 years. Fellows will obtain real-world research experience in their respective areas of interest through coursework, monthly forums, and seminars, followed by hands-on experience. Check out their brochure in the description. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that'll do it for this episode. We appreciate you spending your time with us. Be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app and give us a rating. You can also visit us on the IPHO website to provide feedback and learn how to get involved. Please do it because we need your help. Until next time, take care and stay safe.